what we're doing now is we're, we're finishing up our, our last couple of weeks here, we're finishing up our series on the Ten Commandments. And uh, I've enjoyed going through these uh, with you. And uh, some of these have been really, really tough. And we've been looking at what is really behind these commandments and why did God uh, give the commandments to us? And we understand it's all about a relationship with God, a relationship with one another. God basically gives the Ten Commandments to, uh, to Moses on Mount Sinai to give the children of Israel basically 613 commandments. He boils them down to 10. Jesus even boils them down even further to two, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So we've come to understand over these weeks that the commandments are all about our relationship to God first. When that's in order, then our relationship to one another is going to be in order. It's not about a bunch of rules and regulations. How many just want another rule and regulation over your life to dictate? how you live your life. We have so many rules and how, we're, how we are uh, to, to do things. And there are laws that we don't even know that are there that you might even uh, be breaking. I, I was fishing in the Adirondacks one time. It was just getting dusk and uh, Wesley were out there fishing. It was our first day. We didn't even put the poles in the water. And I see a sheriff and his boat coming out towards us. So I'm like, well, I'm good. Everything's registered. I, my boat's all set. The you know, there's no problems here. So I don't know what, he's, what, what, what he wants to know. So he comes up and he goes, where's the light on the front of your boat? And he had all these big words. I go, I don't even know what you're talking about. Where's the transducer mud flap hydraulic system on the front? I'm like, I don't even, he goes, you're supposed to have a light when it gets dusk and sun. You're, I had a light in the back that was on, but I didn't have the light on the front of my boat. And I didn't know, I really didn't know that. I thought you just need in the front. I know you need in the front. He goes, well, you need in the front. So we didn't get the pole. He goes, you need to go back now. I'm like, forget you. Well, we're fishing. I just drove four hours. We're fi- Let's go at it right now because we're fishing. Unless you want to stop me. No, I'm just teasing. I said, okay. So we didn't get the pole. So we went back and he goes, you can buy one in the drug. They're not expensive. And you just, you can makeshift one. I go, okay. And he was real nice about it. I didn't even know. There's, how many of you know you, you can think you're doing everything right. And then there's this law and someone tells you, well, you're not doing it right. And then we get all this condemnation and guilt placed on our life. That's not the purpose of the commandments. The commandments are there so that we can develop a correct relationship with God. And then in turn, we're going to have right relationships with one another. And as we know, uh, the church hasn't done a great job in, in how, specifically how we relate to one another, right? We've gotten a lot of trouble and how we relate and how we serve one another. And so God says, listen, if you get these things right, you'll have a healthy community. Your relationship with me will be correct. And the relationship that you have with one another will be healthy and correct. And so that's what all the commandments are about and that's what we're uh, specifically going to be dealing with again today is how do we relate to one another and have healthy relationships how many of you have ever had something stolen from you raise your hand wow almost all of you had something stolen maybe your home was broken into someone took something out of your car i heard there's a new gimmick out there it's called sidling And what guys, I think that's what it's called, what people do, if you drive into a gas station to pump your gas, what what thieves will do now is if, uh, ladies, you leave your your purse, or as my grandmother would call it, your pocketbook. How many still call it a pocketbook? You remember that, Ruth? Pocketbooks? Okay. Uh, So my grandmother, Junie, would call it her pocketbook. Barton, can you go get me my pocketbook? I have no idea what that means, Grandma. What is it? It's my pro. Okay, I didn't know it was called the pocketbook. Okay, the pocketbook. I learned that at an early age. So you would leave your, your pocketbook in your car, 
right? And then what they do is they sidle up against your car and they open up the door if you don't lock the door and they take your, without you even knowing it, and they drive off and you get in your car and you have no idea where your purse, pocketbook, whatever you like to call it, is gone. And so there's different ways that people steal things. All of us have gotten something uh, stolen from us. I was heartbroken in fourth grade when my bike was stolen from Seneca Elementary School in Arundaquay. I had this cool red bike with the big handlebars and the banana seat. This thing was styling. And I forgot if I didn't lock the bike that day or whatever, but somebody took it for a joyride and they found it like two blocks down the road. And actually, Officer Colucci, if you guys remember Officer Colucci from Arundaquay, he found it for me and he said, Bart, I found your bike. It was two streets down. And I got it for you. Thank you, Officer Colucci, who rode a motorcycle and was the coolest guy in the world because he went through all our schools and taught us about how not to take things so, and how to be good citizens in Arundaquite. So uh, I found my bike, but I was heartbroken for most of the day because my bike was, was gone. Something was, was uh, taken from me. I, I found some um, um, interesting facts about uh, shoplifting. They say that one out of 11 people shoplift. So what I want to do is, here's some actual quotes. I want us to take a quiz this morning before we jump into this uh, eighth commandment about not, thou shall not steal. Uh, Let me just ask you some questions. Let's see how you answer these. Let me just throw out these questions. We'll take a little quiz this, this morning. Who do you think shoplifts more, men or women? Women? They... All the men said women and all the women said men. Okay, so here, this is who shoplifts more. It's even. Both men and women shoplift evenly. Okay, here's the next question. 73% of shoplifting, is it premeditated or is it not premeditated? Not premeditated. 73 is not premeditated. Isn't that interesting? Uh, even more bizarre is people will shoplift and then buy something at the same time. Cost for shoplifting, $13 billion yearly. White collar crime, $300 billion. Of those are the Bernie, Bernie Madoffs of the world. Bernie had this Ponzi scheme. It was estimated uh, what he ripped off people, $18 billion through that scheme. So what's the problem in our world? What, what's the problem when it comes to this subject? It, it comes down to ethics, doing what is right. The Eighth Commandment says, you shall not steal. It's, it's, it's taking something that doesn't rightly belong to you. It, it, and really, when we see this, it's, it's really boiling down to relationships, taking something from someone else. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, it hurts when we know the person that took something from us. If it's a stranger, we're hurt because it's taken, but if it's taken from us from someone who we personally know, then it, then it really hurts. And why is the reason? Because you have a relationship with that person. You trust them. Uh, why would they do that to you? Someone you don't know for sure that's not that close to you, it may not hurt as, as, as deep. So We've come to understand the commandments this way in two ways, our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with one another. And so ultimately the commandments boil down to these two things. It's honoring God and honoring each other. And that's why this commandment is so important. That's why it's in the top 10. Ultimately, the commandment is about honoring God and honoring each other. So if I'm honoring God, 
I will be honoring my relationships to one another. And so what, what God is saying in this commandment about do not steal, it's really not about just taking something from someone else. It's not saying, well, uh, this person has a lot of money or this company is, is wealthy and I'm going to take it and it's not going to bother them. It's not this Robin Hood thing where you take from the rich and you give to the poor and everybody cheers something like that. Really, what, what's at stake in this commandment is you're dishonoring someone else by taking something from them. And so really, what it comes down to at the root of this commandment, it really comes down to integrity. It comes down to integrity. Is my life true to honoring others and honoring the Lord? I like what Albert Einstein says. He says, whoever is careless with the truth in small matters cannot be trusted with important matters. Will Rogers said, lead your life so you wouldn't be ashamed to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. So you've got some of these proverbs in your notes there. Let me just give you four proverbs about integrity because it really, it, it comes down to it, the root of, of, of taking from someone else. It comes down not to whether or not I can steal from that person or that I can justify it by saying, well, they don't need it and I'm getting back at them or getting back at the company, whatever it may be. It really boils down to the heart and to the integrity of my heart. Proverbs 10.9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his way crooked will be found out. Proverbs 11.3 says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Proverbs 27 and verse 11 says, The righteous who walk in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Isn't that interesting? Even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright. And then Proverbs 28, 18 says, Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. So let's get the meaning here of integrity. Because really, if, if you look at the crux or the root of don't, not taking something from someone else or not stealing from someone else, at the, at the root of all this stuff is, is this integrity of my heart. It's this structure within my heart and how deep do my roots go in the Lord and am I honoring one another? And so I want to give you this definition of structural integrity when you build a building or you build a boat. And let me give you this just definition of structural integrity, specifically when you build a ship. It says the simplest structural description of a ship is that its hull, which you don't see, is the beam designed to support the numerous weights that rest upon, including its own weight. To resist the local forces produced by concentrated weights and local buoyant forces, and to resist the several dynamic forces that are almost certain to occur, as with any structure, stresses at the point must remain below the limits allowable for the construction material. Likewise, deflections, both local and overall, must be kept within safe limits. The reason why the Titanic went down, the structural integrity was compromised, which led to its demise. Something that was below the surface that no one else saw led to the Titanic's demise. The hull of the ship or a boat, if that is compromised, will lead to its demise and, 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 and can cause death. 
in that situation when a boat is floating out in sea. So if that structural integrity is not intact, it can lead ultimately to its demise. That's what the proverb writer is saying. That's what God is saying. God's saying, I don't care what it looks like on the surface. I'm not real concerned uh, how you're uh, showing yourself to other people because how many know we can fool people easily? by the way we act and by what we tell people or how we want people to perceive us. But what God is saying, what's going on deeper in your heart? What's going on in the hull of your life? What, what, is, what, is, what is the thing that's guiding you? Do you have strong structural integri integrity in your life that's going to lead your life? Because that's really what's behind this commandment. It's all about integrity. See, integrity is, it looks the same the closer you get to it. It, it, it holds everything together. There's no cracks. There, there's no holes. And, you know, we need to ask ourselves, what are the cracks or the holes that are in my life that can eventually lead to my demise? You see, we, we may say to ourselves, well, well, pastor, I'm no thief. I haven't robbed anybody. But let's look at the integrity issue of our lives. Is there a crack in the hull of our life? You see, that's, that's what Jesus sees, not the outward appearance. That's what we let people see. But deep down in the hull of our heart, that's what really matters. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, okay, am I going to get legalistic about this particular um, uh, commandment where I say, you know, Pastor, I don't steal. I haven't robbed a bank lately. I haven't taken any money from anybody. You know, I haven't pickpocketed anybody. I haven't, I haven't shoplifted. Um, and we can easily just jump over this commandment and say, this isn't my deal. Doing great on this one. Not so great on maybe last week or the week before. Need to work on some things. Not so good. This week, I'm good. I shouldn't even came to church today, Pastor, because this week I'm good. You are preaching to the choir here, brother. Okay? I'm good here. But wait a minute. Not so fast. So before you brush this off, we need to ask ourselves, how can we steal? Because it comes down to the matter of, of the heart. Let, let me just throw some stuff out you this morning just to see if it sticks. Okay, let's just, throw, let's just throw some things out this morning and see if it sticks. Let's talk about our taxes for a minute. Oh, Pastor, you had to go there, didn't you? I'm going there. I'm going there in a heartbeat. Ready? Taxes. Do we pay our taxes? And are we honest? Are we honest with all our income? Just saying. Something to pray about, okay? Just thinking, just saying, okay? Are we honest with all our income? Um, are we taking things from the office that aren't ours? That little pen, right? Little stuff on the desk. We see it at our house and we're like, yeah, that's really not mine. That needs to go back. A big problem today is the piracy of movies or music or games or computer programs. Are we stealing hours at work? Are we spending too much time on Facebook? Boy, I got, ooh, the crickets are, okay, just saying. See, what we can say is this. Here's why I throw this stuff out at you. What we say is these are all victimless crimes. You see, where we get mixed up, follow me here, where we get mixed up with this commandment is like, I, I haven't stolen anything where I've actually hurt somebody. 
So then we can bypass over this command. We say, okay, I'm fine. But the problem is, what about the victimless crimes? They don't hurt anyone, right? And do we justify it by saying, well, the company's big. They won't miss it. They owe it to me. The government is corrupt anyways. You see, it comes down to the heart. Are we honoring God? You see, Jesus was posed with this same question of taxes. And Jesus' answer was, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God. Because he looked at a coin. He says, whose face is imprinted on this coin? And they said, Caesar. And he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God. Was Caesar a God-fearing person that loved God? Answer, no. But what did, what did he say? Well, you pay your taxes, give to, give to the government what is due the government and give to God what is due him. Jesus didn't say, um, only pay your taxes if the government is God-fearing. No, he says, we are to pay them. Now, that doesn't mean you have to like it. How many love paying your taxes? Pay your taxes and not a penny more, right? Doesn't mean we have to like it, but we do it because ultimately, who are we honoring? We're honoring God. It's a structural issue in my life. You see, ultimately, it's about relationships. It's simply, uh, is it simply stealing something from someone else? See, what you're actually doing is you're actually robbing from someone else, from another person. You're you're taking from them. You're depleting from them. You're ultimately devaluing them. And here's what it it really comes down to the gospel message. And and here's what I want you to see today, because I I want us to make sure that we're gospel-centered in the way we live our lives with everything, the way we pay our taxes, the way we treat the company at work with our hours, the way we uh, treat one another. See, it all comes down to the gospel message, because if, if if, if that's the center of my heart, if I'm living for Christ in my heart, then the fruit of that, the outcome of that, is going to be how I live my everyday life. And if you don't think that Christ can touch these other areas and that you don't allow him to touch these other areas, you've got a huge misconception about a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because here's the issue. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then he's going to mess with every area of your living. Can I get an amen? He's going to mess with it. Because, because either he's, he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. There's no middle ground here. There's not like, Jesus, I'll give you my Sunday morning and I'll honor you for that hour and a half. But come Monday when I go to my job, and I just, I'm not listening to you. And see, the problem with followers of Christ is we just want a Jesus that's going to fit my lifestyle. That is going to make me feel comfortable. Well, you're not going to feel comfortable all the time as a follower of Christ because there's going to be areas in our life that the Holy Spirit's going to convict us on and say, am I, am I honoring Christ in all these areas? Am I doing what is right in my taxes and my job and my hours and, and how I'm doing things? And, and, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is, is not to beat you down and make you feel guilty. It's to make you honor God and so God can look at the intricate parts of your life to make sure that they're in order so that you don't go down a road that's going to lead to destruction. Amen. So ultimately, God is saying, listen, this is for your good and for your care because I want to protect you from destruction later on in your life. I want you to be so, listen, what God is saying is, I want you to be so tender and so open to my spirit speaking to you 
that it doesn't have to happen when destruction comes. You know, it's amazing to me that we're sorry and we repent when we get caught, which is okay, and we need to repent. We need, you know, David, David went through the same thing when he got caught in his sin. But he was open to God and he repented. But, but God wants us to get to the point to where the integrity of our life, the structure of our life is so sensitive to the Holy Spirit then we're doing something that's, that's off kilter and that's wrong, that we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life that tenderly speaks to us and say, this isn't right what you're doing. And we listen to the voice of the Spirit then so we don't hear it way down here when destruction and my family's been ruined and my life's been ruined and I've got fired from my job. And Are you here? Are you following me? Are you with me this morning? See, that's what God cares about. So he, he wants the structural part of your life, the, the small things. See, when, when, if you've ever been on a cruise, how many of you, when you went on a cruise, I went on a Disney cruise once for four days, and um, my family, it was real fun. Um, I never went down in the bottom of the boat to check the hull to make sure it was okay. How many of you did that? You, you went down, I, man, I, the first thing I looked at, what's on the food buffet? That's all I cared about. I went, what's on the food? And do they have this midnight food buffet that everybody talks about. Like, you can wake up at any time and get food. Is, is that true, or you've been lying to me? Because if you're lying to me, I'm, I'm off this ship now. Because I want food at 2 o'clock in the morning. I've come to eat. I didn't come to look at the hull of the ship to make sure it was okay. Can I get an amen? No one's done that. I didn't go down. You may want to now with all the problems we're having on cruise ships, Okay. For the, okay, you may want to do that now. But I never went down and said, who's the engine? Who's head of the engine room here? Okay, is there oil in this thing? Okay, is there enough gas? Is there enough gas in this tugboat? Is there enough gas? Did you put oil in it? When's the last time things were checked? Well, who's, the, who's in charge here? What's going on down here? I want to make sure where the checklist. Is everything good? I, I, only thing I cared about is when the next meal was coming on the buffet table, okay? So listen, God cares more about the hull of your life. What's going on down in there? You see, listen, if, if things pop up in my life where I'm starting to compromise and then I'm starting to justify why I'm doing those things, right away, that's a check engine light on in your spiritual life. That saying, Barden, something's going on in your life. When you begin to justify it, when you begin to kind of patronize it, when you begin to say, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Huge check engine light. That's the Holy Spirit telling you there's something wrong in the engine room of your spiritual life. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it like the Titanic. Oh, it's no big deal. We can go through this ice field and we're going to be fine because this thing is unsinkable, right? And they ignored it and they ignored it and they ignored all the signs. They ignored all the other signals from other boats and other ships. And guess what happened? They headed for destruction and many, many people lost their lives. So this comes down to the gospel message. That, that God cares about what's going on deep in the heart of your soul. And so if we get this right, it's going to direct how we live our lives and we're going to make correct decisions that are going to be honoring 
to the Lord. So let's live a gospel-centered life. Let me give you a couple passages here about what it comes down to because really it comes down to God being a giving God. Instead of taking from us, God always gives to us. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, God is such a giving God. Listen to some of these passages, Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and not only to serve you, but the passage says there, and give his life as what? A ransom for many. So the Son of Man just didn't, he, he didn't come so we can all serve him. He came to serve us and, and give his life as a ransom so that we could find eternal life and find forgiveness for our sins. Luke 19.10 says, for the Son of Man came to what? Seek and save that which was lost. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So here we see that, that God gave us something that we never deserved. His grace is unmerited, not based on my performance. And so we ask ourselves, okay, what does this have to do with stealing? What does this have to do with the eighth commandment? Notice God does everything for our benefit. He gave, he sacrificed. See, if the gospel message has changed my life, Instead of me seeing how I can cheat people or maybe use this angle to get the best advantage for myself, to get the most out of people, the, what the gospel message ends up doing in my heart, it ends up allowing me to say, how can I benefit someone else? Instead of seeing how much I can take from this relationship, you see, because we live in such a consumer society, when we come to church, we, we, we tend to think this, what is this church offering me? Instead of saying, what can I offer the church with my gifts and talents to make the church a better place so that Christ is glorified in the church? It's okay to come and receive and to glorify God and to benefit from the teaching and preaching and worship from the Lord. That, that's fine and dandy. But if that's my primary motivation for why I come to church or why the church exists, we're missing something here, aren't we? See, I need to get to the point where I'm saying, God, instead of taking, what can I take from this? What's this church giving me? This church needs to do this, that, and the other. I need to say to myself, Lord, what am I giving to the body of Christ that you might be edified in this body? Because that's gospel-centered living now. Just as Christ came to give of himself, God gave his son. God gives us his grace that we don't earn or deserve in the structure of my life, I need to be asking myself, Lord, what am I doing to give to other people to benefit them? You see, a, a, a real servant of God doesn't necessarily always look for the accolades, but they look to praise someone else. They, they look for ways to allow someone else to receive the encouragement. You see, that's gospel living. That's what I love about the, the prodigal son story. You know, the son leaves, takes his dad's inheritance. Basically, that was a mockery during that time to take the inheritance that was only supposed to be for when your father died. So basically, the son's saying, I wish you were dead. That gives you warm feelings and fuzzy feelings, doesn't it? Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now. He goes it. He goes to Las Vegas. He blows it all on, on casinos and loose women and all this other stuff. And he blows all this money, right? And now he's eating with the pigs. He's got nowhere to turn but to go back home 
and hopefully his dad will take Meg. And if dad, even if you take Meg, I'll, I'll, I'll sleep with the farm animals. I mean, I'll, I'll eat hay. I'll eat, I'll eat what the pigs are eating. If you just, if you just take me back, I, I mean, I, I won't even ask you to let me stay in the house. You know, I'll stay in the barn. I mean, just take me back. He comes back, and what happens at the end of that story? The father sees him first. He's waiting for him. He runs to him. He hugs him. He throws a robe, puts a ring on, kills the, the, has a, kills the, the pig. Well, not the pig, but the fat kid. That would be really bad in Jewish culture. But he, he, he kills the, the you know, he, we would have a pig roast, right? We'd have a barbecue. I mean, but he kills the fatted calf and, and they have a huge party because his son has come home. And notice that the, the dad runs to him. He just, it, this is like extreme lavish grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And it's showing how God restores our relationship with him. That, the, that he had nothing, that this son had nothing. He deserved everything, death, punishment, everything for what he did to his dad, and his dad forgives him. You see, wh- when I rob someone or take advantage of them, I'm automatically breaking the two most important commandments that Christ gave. And that's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And that's the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and Jesus, all the laws of the prophet hang on these two commandments. I love what Paul says here in Philippians 2, uh, verses 1 through 4. Listen to what Paul says about how we're to, to give to one another, how we're to honor one another. And I love this, this, this verse in Philippians. He says this. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love and, and what he's done for you, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having what? The same love as Christ, being one in the Spirit, one of mine. And this is how this love is expressed, Paul says to the Philippian church. This is how you express your love to one another. This is where it's real. This is when it's, it's, it, you're living your life out from the depths of your heart that Christ has changed you from the inside out. This is when you know it's real. This is when you're not just playing church. You just don't say you're a Christian. You just don't say you, you go to church. This is where it becomes real. This is when God is living in the whole of your life. Listen to what he says. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather do this. Instead of being conceited and seeing yourself better than someone else and judging someone else, he says this. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interests of others. Notice the words that Paul chooses here. Value others above yourself. So how do I do this? How do do I obey this commandment? And how do I live a gospel-centered life that's not centered on me and always what I want and what I need and what I get? But how is this commandment that we can make it gospel-centered so that we're truly honoring it and honoring God and honoring one another. You see, you may not have shoplifted lately or you have robbed a bank lately, but how 
have we stolen from God or how have we stolen from God in our relationships? How have we devalued those relationships? Because that's really what's at stake here. So here's what I want you, here's what I want you to ask yourself. You may have never thought of it this way, but I think, I don't think I'm off base here. I don't think, I, I don't think I'm strained from this commandment too far when I say these things. What are you robbing people of? What are you devaluing? Because if that's at the heart of the commandment, if it's devaluing someone else, what am I doing here? So let me ask you some questions here. Believe me, I'm preaching this to myself, okay? Because we're all in this thing together, okay? Am I robbing time from my child or my spouse because I'm putting too much time at work? I want you to remember there's always a trade-off. When I give to one thing, I will be robbing from another. Am I robbing my wife from our date night? Am I spending time with my children or has something else robbed my time? Okay, now it's getting a little bit closer to home, isn't it? It's not so much about shoplifting, about robbing a bank. Now we're getting a little bit closer to home here. See, th- th- these are relationships with one another. How, what am I doing? How am I investing in these relationships that's making them healthy and whole? Or am I robbing from them because I'm not spending time with my family? I've, 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 my, my life, the whole of my life is the boats like over here because I'm spending way too much time on my hobbies. And it's, listen, it's not wrong to have hobbies or whatever, but if that's all I'm doing, then, then the boat is tilted over here. And maybe the Holy Spirit's been whispering to your heart saying, listen, you need to find balance in your life. You've got a spouse over here that needs you, that needs your attention. And you need to make, you, you, you need to set aside time for that. For our, my wife and I, for our anniversary this year, I set the whole thing up, which is a big deal for me, okay, because I am not good at coordinating things. It's a good place for an amen, okay? So those of you who know me, I'm not good at this, okay? I'm really bad. So we went away. We, we spent a night away out of town. We got the kids organized. We just said, here's cereal and milk. Have fun for the next two days, okay? They're at that age now, all right? Here's bread and water. Go at it, okay? There's a toaster if you want to go crazy. Toast the bread. That's crazy. Go ahead. Um, and so I planned the whole thing. And I just said, you know, I'm going to plan it. I'm not going to let her worry about it. This something I get. Because how many of you know if you never do it, you'll never do it? You'll say, you'll say, oh, well, we'll go on that date night. And if you don't plan it, it never get done. Because how many of you know something else is going to fill that space real quick? And then the next thing you know is, Weeks go by and months go by and a year goes by and you're like, you're looking at each other and go, where did this year go? We didn't have time together. And all of a sudden there's that relationship with your kids or whatever and it's of all this stuff goes away and you never, because you, you, you didn't take the, the initiative to do it. So, so I did, I said, I, got, I don't want this to go by and, and I, you know, I just don't want, so I set the whole thing up. And I, and I can remember Kathleen said this to me and I just thought it was great because it really, it just encouraged me. We got in the car getting ready to leave and she goes, do we have to leave? Can we stay one more day? Do we have to go back to our kids? Can we just stay another, no, I'm, I'm teasing, teasing. She missed the kids. She missed him, not really, but she missed him, okay? And she looked at me and she goes, Barden, 
thank you for setting this whole thing up. I did everything. I was doing stuff I would never do. If I had a picture of some of the things I showed you what I do, some of you men would punch me just saying, you did that because now I'm going to have to do that for my wife, okay? So do you want me to tell you what I did, ladies, so your husbands will do that for you? Okay, this, <laughs> this is what I did. Oh, man. The place we stayed at had these bikes. They were the most girly-looking bikes you'd ever see. They weren't mountain bikes. They weren't Harleys. They were girly-looking bikes, and they all looked the same. And she goes, I would love if we rode our bikes into town. Now, if I rode those bikes here in Ontario, some guy would have shot me with a shotgun, okay? He would have just took me right down. So we rode, because I knew that that's what she liked to do. So we rode around town, and, you know, they had the name of the place we stayed. I mean, it was just, thank God I didn't know anybody there, because otherwise... And uh, I got pictures of it on my phone if you want to see it. Okay, I did it. Okay, so we rode our bikes down. We ate dinner in town. We did all the, you know, I think the bike smelled of lavender. I mean, it was just, it was, it was just bad. It was just, it, it was bad. I mean, so, um, but she thank you. See, the thing with it is, listen, listen, it, it comes down to this. It may not be the most fun thing I'd want it, wanted to do. You know, I was thinking, where could I attach a fishing pole to this bike just to give it some sense of coolness? You know, I, listen, it may not be the greatest thing that you want to do, but you know what? Here it is. Here it is. It's about your relationship with one another and how you're giving your time to one another. Not, not, not what you want to do necessarily, but how you're giving your time to one another to invest in that person and not take it away. Now, now here's the last thing I want to talk about. Not only how are you doing, and that's one area. Maybe there's other areas that you can think about how you can value time. Maybe it's with a parent. Maybe there's a parent that lives away and you haven't called them in a while. Maybe it's calling them. Maybe it's writing them. I don't know what it is, but you do what you need to do in that area. But here's the last thing. How are we robbing our relationship with God? And I loved uh, James Kennedy has passed away. Dr. James Kennedy, he had a great book on the Ten Commandments. Some of you may have listened to him. He had a really thriving ministry in Fort Lauderdale. Um, he had these... Um, he had these couple things on how we steal from God. And I'm just going to tell them to you because I thought they were great on his book, Ten Commandments. He said, we steal from God when we refuse to set aside time on Sunday to worship him with other believers. We steal from God when we do that. I know I'm preaching the choir because you're all here this morning. So you're like, whew, glad I came to church today. Glad I didn't listen to this message later. Okay, listen, we still, you know, if, if I don't make that a priority in my life, something else will be a priority. We steal from God when we don't spend time with Him either through prayer or Bible reading. Arnold Harris sang a song called, I missed my time with you. I missed my time with you. So ultimately we're robbing God. How do we steal from God? Well, we may rob God when we don't give Him a portion of our income. We're not faithful with the increase of what God has given us our time, our talent, our treasure. We rob God. We steal from God when we call ourselves disciples, yet we fail to live up to the calling that that name implies. You see, here's the takeaway. The takeaway is this. Is my life Christ-centered? Am I honoring God or am I robbing you in certain areas of my life? Am I honoring you at my job, my business, my relationships? How is the integrity of my heart? How is the integrity of my heart? Here, I'm just going to be totally open with you right here. Whew. 
okay, here's a fault. Here's the thing that we've got to guard in our family that I've noticed has been creeping up the last couple of years as our kids get busier. My boys play football. They're, they're busy with their friends. I'll tell you what, here's the hardest thing that our family's been facing is eating dinner together. Because other things creep in, don't they? And lately I'm just saying, you know, we need to make it a priority that we set this many nights. I mean, some nights are just impossible, but we need to set this many nights where we sit down and we eat dinner as a family. Remember those days you just, you ate as a family, whether you liked it or not, you sat there and you ate as a family. And I said, we need to do this because how many know your lives get so busy and so many things rob from the very thing that God cares most about? And for those of you that are like me, your parents, and you have, you know, kids in your, in your house. Um, I, I know lives are busy and blah, blah, blah. You know, but just say, you know, we've got to take these three nights, for whatever it is, and we've got to sit down and we're going to make this a priority that, that we're going to eat dinner as a family. If it's got to be later in the evening, then we'll do it later in the evening, but we've got to make this a priority because how many know that so many other things rob our attention? And then when we're eating as a family, if there is one device at that table, I don't care if it's an iPod, iPad, a rocket launcher, I don't care whatever's at that dinner table, we're gonna th- it's not going to come. It's not coming to the table. And we're going to talk. How was your day? How was your day? And we're going to ask questions. And we may read a Bible verse together. We may do a scripture. We're going to pray together as a family. It's a great time to use that as a time just to, to, to pray. We pray at night for the kids to go to bed, but that's a good time to say, hey, you guys need any prayer, needs or requests? But for me, that's, that's my life. That's my world. That's what I'm dealing with right now. That's where I live. And I've got to guard that with all my heart because I know it's so easy to allow other things to come in. I don't know where you are in your life, what things are robbing you of your relationship with one another or what's robbing you with re- your relationship with God. But let me just say this. Take, take that to heart take inventory of your life to see where it's going. God cares about it. Look at the hull of your Christian life. Are there things, are there holes, are there cracks in the hull that God has kind of been patiently reminding you of? Because guess what? That crack's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger if you don't take care of it. It's like a crack on your windshield. You see it, you know it's there. You pretend it's not there. And the thing keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger until you, until you eventually have to take care of it. Let's not let the cracks in our lives get so big that it eventually leads to destruction in our life. Amen? That's how much God loves you. That's how much he cares about you. Let's take care of those things. So, Lord, as we bow our hearts before you today, Lord, this eighth commandment is so much bigger than just about taking something from someone else. It really comes down to the heart. It comes down to our relationship with you. Are we devaluing our relationship with you? Are we stealing from you, God, through our time, our treasure, our talent? Lord, it comes down to our relationships with one another. Lord, how are we guarding our family time, our spouse time, our uh, just those things that really matter? Are we stealing from them? And Lord, we all have to work. We have to make a paycheck. That's obvious. But Lord, let us guard our time in, in the fact that, Lord, are we investing in those things? Are we giving? Lord, are we robbing from church, Lord? Are, we, are, we, are you using us in our gifts and our talents to better 
you know, enhance the church, Lord. God, better enhance your body. Uh, Lord, speak to us in that area if we're missing something in there, if there's a hole or a crack in our lives there, Lord. God, I thank you that you're not here to condemn us or to heap guilt on us, but Lord, you care about these things because you want us to be in right relationship with you and one another so that they're healthy, so that ultimately that Christ would be glorified in our life. That's what we want, God. We want you to be ultimately glorified in our lives and we don't want to ignore these things as to cause destruction within our relationship with you or one another. God, let us take advantage of the speaking of your spirit in our lives to make those things right. So thank you for your forgiveness. Forgive us, God, if we've missed you. Forgive us, God, if, if, if there's something that's out of balance. And Lord, with your help and with your grace, You'll help us to correct it, God, so that we're honoring you. This isn't a checklist that you're looking for. This is a hard thing that you want us to monitor. And so, Lord, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience in dealing with us. You're so good. I pray for this church. I pray for marriages. I pray for relationships. That, Lord, when that check engine light comes on, we would heed that. So, Lord, we can take care of it so that you're ultimately glorified in those situations and, and bring health and stability into those relationships, we pray. So I thank you for your care and your love. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, and we're just going to sing unto the Lord. Let's, let's just give our hearts to the Lord today as we make this our prayer. God bless you. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols to give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. Let us not
give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Thank you, Lord. God is good, isn't he? Listen, um, before you guys go this morning, if any of you need prayer for anything you're going through today, our prayer partners will be up front. We'd love to pray with you and just um, have the Lord touch your situation. And uh, uh, once again, just uh, just let God touch your heart this week and let him do some inventory in your lives and your heart. And um, I know God loves us and he cares for us and he wants the best for us. So amen. God is good. Let's give the Lord just praise for his word today. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. Amen.